Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Megan Gilgert, and welcome to the Fresh Exchange Podcast. Hi, friends. Welcome to the podcast today. And I am very excited to introduce you to Brady and Hannah Barnstable of Seven Sundays. They are located in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I really wanted to bring them on because I think is something that we've been pursuing in our own lives for a while now. Like I, I can't even really think about how long it's been, is becoming aware of the sourcing and the impact that our food has, not just on ourselves. I think a lot of people think about, oh, it's, you know, for health reasons, things like that. It is for sure. But it's a little more than that because when we are thinking about ingredients and we're thinking about how we, the food we eat, you know, there's a direct impact on the earth and on people. And I find that eating is one of the most impactful ways that we can make this connection into nature a little stronger. Some people may think that it's the garden or, you know, things like that, which are very much a huge part of that. We're going on walks in nature, things like that, which I also agree are very important. But how we eat, what we eat, where our food comes from begins to connect us not just to the natural world, but also to our communities. And this is why I'm a huge advocate of, you know, eating local. And it has a huge impact on our communities. We can keep our money inside of our communities and by, you know, we can make huge impacts that way. So when we are at a grocery store, you know, you walk down the aisles and you start looking at everything and you're choosing products. I mean, we all do it. And no matter how much (laughs) we try to do certain things in our, with our food, there's still an element that we need a grocery store, right? It's the modern world. But I have this belief that those foods don't, that we can start shifting that conversation about those foods. Like what sort of ingredients are used? How are those ingredients affecting the climate? How are they affecting our bodies? How are they, you know, who are they helping? Who are they harming? And there's a lot of questions (laughs) to be asked when we're looking at a label or picking up food. And sometimes that's a privileged decision and sometimes it's not. And I don't think it should be. I think it should be something that's equitable and affordable for all. But that's another conversation for another day. The thing that I love about what Brady and Hannah are doing and why they built Seven Sundays is because they asked those questions. They have purposely pursued sourcing their food in ways that as somebody who has worked with many businesses like theirs, 
in the design world, I am frankly very impressed because this takes a lot of work and especially at the scale in which they're doing. I mean, they're carried in Costco and Target and these large, you know, chain stores and they are putting the ingredients in their food that are directly tied to small farms in the Midwest that are directly impacted financially by that. And they're not just choosing any farm. They are choosing farms with regenerative models. They are utilizing, you know, byproduct sort of grains and things like that, that a lot of companies don't use that are used in the regeneration of soil. And they're saying, no, we can absolutely use that. And they're making the most out of that, which is amazing. And something we have to be thinking about when we're looking forward to how we feed the world. So these are all things that they've done and they go through their stories. So I don't want to take that away from them. But something I did want to cover really quick is that I am always on the hunt for companies that are B Corp certified. And we go through that in this podcast, like why that's important, what that means and everything. And I'll let you guys learn more of that in from them. But some of the things like just to tell you a little bit about how they've made an impact just in 2020, these are some of the things that they did by the numbers. For instance, they worked with 20 local family farms and suppliers. They shifted 150,000 bags from virgin plastic to PCR. They up uh, they used 20,000 pounds of upcycled ingredients and 250 acres transitioned to organic farming because of them. So that is just like... The, like the tip of the iceberg with what they're doing. And this to me, like when I think about a company that is impacting our world and shifting the market, it's them. Like they really are doing it. And they started from the ground, like Hannah in a friend's commercial kitchen doing this in the wee hours of the night and after her day job. And she built this because she wanted to see it happen. And so it's it's just so cool. And I am so excited that you guys get to hear their story from them directly. So we're going to jump into that right now. Thanks so much for doing this, guys. I, I know that this is really exciting for you guys too, but it's, it, I always, you know, it takes time to do these things. So to sit down and you guys are busy. So you're running a huge business. That's very it's busy. Good it's good timing. We just like wrapped up like a really intense stretch. And now mm -hmm. we have this big, like we're, we're getting our entire team together tomorrow for the first time in like ever, ever, ever. Um, and, uh, cause we, we hired a few people like during the pandemic who have never even yeah. like, met each other. Um, and we want to like take a step back and, and then like move forward more intentionally. And so this conversation is like, I think helping us helping it's a good kickoff steer that good that team meeting a little bit so it's all good stuff that is exciting that has to feel like a step in the right direction like you know to be able to like have staff with you again like has to just feel amazing yeah yeah I mean everybody's able to operate virtually but you know there's just nothing like getting together mm -hmm. um, the relationship building and taking the time to brainstorm big things. So yeah, looking forward to it. And you know, like when, I mean, you're familiar with like working with family mm -hmm. and your, your partner, like <laughs> it was that it was that way for so long. And then Hannah, you know, and Hannah's brother, Andy works with us, but now that like, there's a few others like that are non-family it's, you, you have to take more time to, um, you know, just be, um, on the same page with, yeah. with our, what our why is and, you know, what, where we want to go as a team versus like, just mm -hmm. reading each other's minds and <laughs> like, yes, um, you know, talking about it, you know, right before bed or, you know, um, scrambling. So it's, it's good. Yes, it is definitely a huge thing. I understand completely. <laughs> well, that said, like, I don't actually know your whole story. So I want to know how you guys, like, what led you to creating Seven Sundays? What led you to working together specifically even? Like, this whole 
inspiration for what you have built. I mean, this business is incredible. You're B Corp certified. You're, you know, you got so much going on and I want to hear how it started and yeah, the whole story. Sure. That's probably one for me um, because it was my initial brainchild. So um, the story behind Seven Sundays, no, we did not have experience um, in food or agriculture per se, but we had kind of two driving passions. Uh, mine was with food and, um, you know, creating something that is made the way mother nature intended it to be. And I can get into that. And Brady's was in sustainability. Hmm. Um, and so those driving passions, um, kind of led us to leaving the quote unquote corporate world. So we did have regular jobs. I was in finance and Brady was an environmental consultant. Hmm. Um, and the, the very idea of seven Sundays actually started on our honeymoon. We took a five week trip to New Zealand and, um, at the time we're just, you know, in our corporate jobs, living crazy life and working long hours. And that five week period of twofold, like just taking time to step away and decide what our, what our life, you know, what we wanted our lives together to look like right after we got married. But then also New Zealand is this unbelievable place and country where, um, it, it, incredibly inspirational, incredibly sustainable culture, mm-hmm. um, and we had muesli every morning. So we were, we were doing a lot of backcountry camping and, you know, and staying at Airbnbs and sheep, you know, sheep farms and stuff like that. And every morning we woke up to these beautiful bowls of muesli. So that's really where the idea was sparked. It was kind of like knowing we wanted to design a life that was more, that had an impact to it. Yeah. Um, but also like literally falling in love with a product we had never had before. Mm. Um, and so it wasn't immediate, but I would say within the year of coming back, we just decided like, first of all, after walking up and down how many cereal aisles and just being completely appalled at mm-hmm. the fact that like health food was shifting uh, or, you know, food was shifting, but for some reason that aisle still seemed set in the eighties mm-hmm. and just really wanting that beautiful bowl of muesli, which is a blend of, you know, a lot of, that's our number one question. What is muesli? It's, it's an unprocessed cereal. So it's just a blend of like, yeah you know, all different types of whole grains and crunchy nuts, maybe toasted nuts and seeds, fruits. And it's, it's super versatile. You can pour cold milk on it. You can soak it overnight. You can make it hot. So it was, that's the story behind it. So I quit my job and by the way, I was in finance, but I was working with food companies and that's important because I was touring a lot of food plants. Mm -hmm. And to me, I just, that was where I decided like things could be done differently. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I don't people really think about packaged food until they've actually, you don't really think about it, but I was yeah. there seeing how things were made, whether it was a jar of salsa or a frozen pizza or whatever. And to me, as someone who really cares about food being an experience, that was eye opening and frustrating and just shifted my mindset. Um, so that was a piece of it too. So while I didn't really have experience in food, I had a picture of what was happening in packaged food that I didn't mm-hmm. really And so I wanted to do things differently and I wanted to make something better in the breakfast aisle. And so I left my job and we moved back to Minnesota. Um, and I um, was able to convince Carrie who's sitting over here cause she runs all our fulfillment now. She had a restaurant at the time and she was generous enough to let me rent her very popular restaurant kitchen space. <laughs> That's amazing. In the, in the evening hours to make my muesli, Brady got me a bike and a trailer. <sighs> Just like that, I went from, you know, finance investment banker to like making small batch muesli and selling it at a farmer's market um, and getting oh to gosh. know, you know, all the local farmers and how I could use different ingredients from Minnesota. And so that's how it was for a couple of years. And then after that was when Brady joined, when we really started to expand the business. I mean, I was pulling him out of work to like come to trade shows with me and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually he joined full-time. I think it was when we launched in Target and I was getting very overwhelmed. So then he joined. I would think so. <laughs> that's a big thing. <laughs> yeah. So that's, I mean, it's not short. And then the the story behind the name, you know, is really, we, you know, we, I'm, I'm a huge morning person and I think the way that you start your day really matters and food's a big part of that. And 
I just felt like comparing New Zealand or Europe or other places where breakfast is more of a proper mealtime versus mm-hmm. here and the options that are available here are not the same. And felt like, you know, we both were like, yeah, that solid routine in the morning, maybe the way that you think about your Sunday routine. Yeah. Um, we wanted to kind of deliver that every day of the week. Um, I love that. And so that's the idea behind seven Sundays. So I, that's I, the long, hopefully that wasn't too, too long, but that's the story behind starting the company. No, that's, I think that's great. And I, I love that you just like jumped right in. You saw a problem and you just kind of were like, okay, this can be fixed. And a lot of people aren't brave enough to do that. And that takes a lot of courage to do that. So it really does. <laughs> it's the whole part of, you know, sweating every day, trying to figure out how to put in my notice. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was a lot of, a lot of drama for a couple months there. And Brady just kept like shrugging his shoulders being like, you got to do it. I mean, you just, <laughs> that's awesome. Brady laughed, <laughs> but he really pushed it. So it's funny because I'm definitely the more risk averse person, True. but I do feel like I had to push her over the edge. And now I'm constant. Now I'm kind of in opposite boat. I feel like I'm always like, pulling us back. Yeah, <laughs> now, that, now that we're both in it, I sort of just, you know, I we're, we're just raised with this. Um, our, our parents' generation raised us with this idea of what um, your career should look like with a 401k mm-hmm. and security and um, mm-hmm. healthcare coverage and, those things are all really important. Um, don't get me wrong, but like at the same time, you know, we experienced what that was like and it left us feeling very unfulfilled at the end of the day. Um, and we wanted to just do something completely different, differently, something that had more purpose behind it. So for me, that was the big driving factor. And then getting to kind of like work together on something too mm-hmm. felt really natural for us. I mean, it doesn't feel that way every day. But like <laughs> um, that was, I think, part of the driving force too. Is like yeah. whatever we do, whatever we end up doing. We had several business ideas in the early days because you know you're like you have the one idea, but then you're like, well, yeah, we're we're going to launch a business. Like, let's think about what other options are out there. We had a yeah. reclaimed lumber idea. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, there. Um, I think the biggest thing was like just getting doing something with a purpose and doing it mm-hmm. together. And, and doing it the way that we wanted to, like, um, versus someone saying this is how it should be done. Yeah. You get that. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it's a major reason why I shifted Fresh Exchange the way I have and into being so focused on helping people feel, you know, like in control of making decisions. Yeah. Empowered and judgment free about like getting your hands in the dirt and like pursuing a lifestyle that is worthy of that sort of value, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I understand that pushback too. I mean, both of, even though our parents have been extremely supportive, there's definitely like, you can kind of hear in their voices sometimes like, so how's it going? (laughs) (laughs) You know, you have kids. Yeah. 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 And, and I get it. You, you're concerned about your family and stuff. And, but I think over time it starts becoming clear and our business coach is always reminding us, like, look how far you come. Like you've built all this, like there's like, if something happens, like something falls apart, like you'll figure it out. Like, and there is, you know, when you're that sort of person, I think you can, um, have that confidence. So, and hopefully other people have that confidence in you, (laughs) but well, Mm -hmm. so as somebody who's highly aware of ingredients and always researching them, I feel like this challenge in our food world right now of like, where do our ingredients come from? How do we source them? And what is their impact on the environment? Like there's so many questions, like when you're building out a product and when we worked in the design world, we worked with a lot of different food companies and kind of learned some of these challenges. And um, we oddly were even like design, we put our design in as an investment in a product like initially, like years ago. And I learned an extensive amount about how things are created, like in a food processing situation. And yeah. it was appalling in the moment. And we had to ask a lot of questions and I learned a lot. But what, what did, tell us about this, like 
the current, like how it looks and what challenges you guys faced and how you over, have overcome them because you have, I mean, building a product that's sourced in the Midwest is like, that is at the scale that you guys are doing it. That, that is a huge achievement. So you figured yeah, something out. <laughs> a quote that we actually have coming up in our office and I'll probably botch it because I don't know it exactly, but it's something along the lines of you can't understand the important stuff unless you get close. And like mm -hmm. you said, you don't really know what's going on until you dig in like a raisin, for example, is not the same as a raisin, you know, like there can mm -hmm. be different ways of drying it. A wild blueberry is starkly different than a cultivated blueberry. Um, so a lot of it is just researching and visiting and understanding the wholeness of the ingredient um, for sure. I mean, it's not just as simple as like we buy local. Mm -hmm. There's way, way more to it as you alluded to. Um, Brady, you can, so Brady, the way we divide up, I mean, Brady does a lot of the operations and, and he's really the one networking and, uh, I mean, he's doing everything on the sourcing front. So I'm going to have you take over as far as what it looks like, but I can tell you the bulk of our time and energy in our business is spent on sourcing because to me, we're, you know, putting the product together is more just like executing, but the innovation comes in the sourcing, if that makes sense. Like yes. yes. And you kind of nailed that. And it hasn't always been simple. And yeah, I mean, maybe you can just speak to like where we started with the whole grain milling and distributors. And then as we've scaled, how we've been able to navigate getting ingredients that yeah. are in line with our mission. Yeah. Um, so Hannah kind of handed over the keys to the operations part of the business to me, um, probably year two or three of our business when we were still fairly small, but starting to get into some bigger retailers like Target. Um, and um, we knew we needed to get our hands around things like food safety and, um, um, and what these retailers required in order to get in the door. Like there's a mm -hmm. certain bar, um, that's fairly high for, um, retailers that we're working with. And at the same time, there's this, you know, there's the, the more, you know, purpose-driven side of our business that business that really wants to work directly with farmers using regenerative ingredients and as local as possible. And what I learned very early on in the business is there is, it's really difficult to achieve both at the same mm, time. Mm. And that's, that's still happening today. Um, so we have, we've had to get creative with how we work with these farmers. Um, and, you know, just, just an example, um, when we started with, um, the farmer's markets, like whole grain milling, we, we have this, we're, we're very blessed in Minnesota. And I think Michigan's probably like this as well mm -hmm. in that, like we are in the grain belt here in the Midwest. Um, mm -hmm. and historically speaking, like this is why there's so many cereal companies based here, like post mm -hmm. Mills, I think Kellogg's Michigan. based in Michigan, like mm -hmm. they're, they were based here because they're, the grains were, were grown here. Mm -hmm. And, um, somewhere along the way, um, everything for, you know, efficiency and for profit's sake was consolidated into these extremely large, um, kind of commodity based, um, markets that sort Subsidies of too. Yeah. Yeah. And we started subsidizing things like corn and soybeans. And, um, I think we lost sight of what local grain could be and what mm -hmm. it used to be. Um, there used to be oats on the landscape everywhere in Minnesota and Michigan and Illinois. Mm -hmm. And now, now you drive out into the country and it's like, all you see is acres and acres of corn and soybeans on both, mm -hmm. uh, in both directions. Um, I got lost in a cornfield once in Illinois and it was frightening. I was on a run. <laughs> like, you don't know where you are because they're yeah. so small. And yeah, it's it scary. <laughs> yeah. And I, I grew up on a, um, well, I didn't grow up on a farm, but I grew up in a very rural area of Illinois and mm -hmm. we still have a, like a, a third or fourth generation now family farm of um, German immigrants who came over in the late 1800s and 
the way that they did things when they first came versus now are just night and day. It's a mm-hmm. completely different agricultural system. Um, it was all very like um, subsistence focused, um, very diverse crop rotations, yeah. livestock mixed in. Um, and, and now it's corn and soybeans that's sold into the, um, the conventional grain markets. Um, and, you know, sort of nobody knows where it goes or where it came from. And it's just this big mystery. Um, but backing up to, I guess, the start uh, of when Hannah, Hannah handed over the keys, we were really lucky to have this one supplier. Um, we, I kind of, I go back to the quote of, you know, start where you are and use what you have. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so here's what we have today. Um, it's pretty messy. Um, there's a fair amount of like brokers and distributors. And um, we were too small to work directly with a lot of suppliers. So like we mm-hmm. kind of had to start with what we had. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we also had this really lovely relationship with whole grain milling who was um, who were pioneers in the organic grain movement back in like the early late 80s or early 90s and they basically said we're going to do things organically and we're going to um create our own markets um and sell into the the twin cities co-ops um essentially there's a great natural food co-op scene here in minneapolis and that really benefited us that they existed because Mm -hmm. um they were able to get us organically grown oats, rye, and barley. Um, and, and then most recently, like we've worked with them very heavily on buckwheat. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's where we kind of, that's where I sort of learned the ropes on what it would, what it's like working directly with a grower. And I visited, I've visited annually up until last year, um, sometimes multiple times a year for, you know, um, planting season and harvest season. And we, um, I understood how they're incorporating livestock. We, mm. we, buy, we buy our beef from them, um, mm-hmm. for just for our family. We don't, that, that's <laughs> muesli, <but laughs> there's no beef flavored muesli. <laughs> kidding. Um, they like, they really were an, in, both an inspiration to us and like just a really great supplier to have in those early days um they've been a supplier from day one like yeah. that's amazing the, the son used to drive to our house at 6 a.m with his big truck and it'd be so loud i was like so embarrassed because we live in the <laughs> you know every house is right next to each other in minneapolis and i'd open the back up of my tr- my station wagon and he'd like put in the couple bags of grains and then drive off like in this big truck and we still <laughs> now they ship totes of buckwheat and different things to our Manu- big manufacturing facilities, but like uh-huh. they, they supplied us since day one, which is cool. That's what awesome. Like a 300 acre farm or something down yes. in Southwest Minnesota. Yeah. So we were, um, yeah, it was very overwhelming, but we just sort of started with like, okay, what's working really well? What do we, um, and then, and what do, what pieces to this system can we move forward? And, and that was the big one that I honed in on because everything mm. else seemed very overwhelming. Um, mm-hmm. but we had whole grain milling and we had our grains. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of where it started. And from there, I've just kind of tried to replicate, um, that for other ingredients where we can, um, mm-hmm. and now we've been able to achieve it with, um, flax and sunflower seeds. And we've got some cool things going on with our, our even our, our sweeteners, like honey is a young family here in the twin cities, like a beekeeper family. Mm. And they now are able to get us, is it drums or pails? Or I don't know. Like they, they're um, just awesome people. They have solar honey and, and really mm. cool things. We incorporate that in. We have our maple syrup, which you're probably aware of comes mm-hmm. from a three person organic farm in Northern Minnesota. So we've, my gosh, been able to piece together these different ingredients and so beyond grains, right. But into some yeah. other have really cool stories behind them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think some people don't understand that like when you're building a product like that, like you're getting like, it's so much easier to just go the conventional route. Like it's mass produced. It's like accessible. The pricing's good. Uh, and, but when you're looking at the ingredients with such a fine 
tooth comb, so to speak, it, it takes a lot more effort. Like, like you're talking about, like you're having to like actually like hunt some of these things down. And mm-hmm. as you're like dreaming up the idea, it's like, well, how do we produce this? And, but I like that mentality of thinking about how do we work from what we already have, because then you can make the most out of it. And yeah, it's just something that we don't think about when we're just grabbing something off the shelf. It's, it, it, it ha- it's missed. I think in, when you're looking at the landscape of products and of any kind, you know, whether it's a shirt, whether it's a tile for your own home, like, it's like, everything has a story of how it exists, how it exists. And we just don't think about what it took to get there, I guess. You <laughs> have an appreciation for this when it comes to food. It's so much more complex than honey is honey is honey. Like mm-hmm. that's not the case. Like when you grow things in your own garden, when you source organically or, you know, you look at just the soil or is it buckwheat? Luke, our buck, one of our other buckwheat farmers, he, he's, there's this video of him just in the soil, like from our, he's got mm-hmm. the buckwheat, our buckwheat all around him. And he's just like showing this deep black soil and he's so excited yes. about it. And you start thinking like, the nutrition behind that, yeah. how it works in our bodies. Like that's mm-hmm. where I get so excited. You know, it's mm-hmm. like not, you can't just go find the cheapest, you know, like you mm-hmm. said, go to the market and, and buy these ingredients when, you know, there's so much more to it from a nutrition mm-hmm. and it all works together in harmony. And, and that's like, I think that's a, the most fun thing about what we're doing is just that harmony around digging deep and figuring out all there is to know about. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that kind of leads to the next question. Like, like, how do you like walk us through a little bit, like just pick a product and tell us a little bit about some of these farmers that are actually growing the different things that are in. Yeah. Let's start there. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. As you're aware, we um, we recently launched a product in Costco, Midwest region, um, and we wanted to bring them basically the most um, locally sourced. Ser- since Costco is a regional business, like they mm-hmm. they operate regionally, we thought it was a really good opportunity to bring to the table a locally made breakfast. You know, mm-hmm. like how could we leverage this relationship and bring in the relationships we have with our farmers to like mm-hmm. the best of the Midwest to the, to the breakfast table was sort of I love that inspiration behind it. And, um, and you know how, like you go to, you, you could go to a cafe and like, we have a really awesome cafe here in town. Um, that's very inspirational called Birchwood cafe. And they, um, you can, you can easily look on their menu and find, all their farmers that they mm. uh, they source their their eggs and and everything that they use in um, right there on the menu. Well, we wanted to do something similar on this package, so um, so yeah, we we basically I mean some of some of the relationships we already had many of them in fact um, we already had um, it was just a matter of like I guess you know Hannah's the the gatekeeper on the recipes and making sure because. I mean, I wouldn't be able to put these ingredients together from these various farms in a way that tasted really good, but Hannah can. So like then she, you know, so it's sort of this, this balancing act of like, all right, what is the best tasting, freshest? Um, there's a little bit of seasonality to it, like especially mm-hmm. the, the, the maple syrup, like, you know, being able to source the quantities that you need mm-hmm. uh, of maple syrup is highly dependent on, you know, the, the, the cold weather seasons and when Mm -hmm. the thaw happens. And, um, you know, we, um, we basically just, you know, reached out to all, we put together a recipe sort of, you have to have some inherent knowledge of like what you can grow here and what, um, what we can source because it's, it's not just like, there's a little bit more to it than like, you know, when you're, when you're gardening, you, 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 you sort of, you can, that's very tangible or you go to the, the, uh, the farmer's market, you can, mm-hmm. you can sort of see where this produce uh, or how it, like the plant that it came from, but with like things like grains and, and, 
and dried fruits and seeds. There's there's deholing and there's um, there's milling and rolling and flaking and um, there's processing involved. So there's you know it takes cleaning. a cleaning. Yeah, you have to clean the stuff off the farm before and kind of gets to your points about you know sort of food quality and safety playing mm-hmm. you know, a, a pretty big part in all this too. But um, we sort of knew uh, it, you know having been in business now for almost eight or nine years and sort of um, doing this um, in off in our business sort of ingraining and in sort of how we operate, we were able to kind of have a pretty good start. And then we had to reach out to like our maple syrup supplier was, was new. Um, we had to reach out to some new fruit companies. Like we used uh, before we used Bing cherries um, from the West coast, but for this Midwest. And, and the reason we did that is because they're more naturally sweet. We don't use a lot of sweeteners in our muesli. So mm-hmm. we weren't sure about the tart cherries, but um, we found a really awesome tart cherry supplier right in um, Traverse city. So Mountain Rinse, right? uh, yeah, the, you, 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 know you know, these cherries, the, I know those cherries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're all around me. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're and we had heard that like, we had also like listened to our Costco buyer and heard that like people go nuts over mm-hmm. these cherries when they're in season. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like, okay, we got to figure out a way. So it was really the cherry and probably the maple syrup uh, mm-hmm. story kind of marrying those two as sort of the key flavor well, indicators yeah. and then bringing these um suppliers um all to the table um you know through our our manufacturing partner and, and he, they're they're a, a great costco approved like sqf certified these things are important for food safety again <laughs> like bringing them all in cleaned processed ready to Tested, go Tested, you know for and then doing pathogen <laughs> testing to make that. sure that like these small farms and these small processors and growers are meeting the highest food safety um standards that are out there mm-hmm. because Costco's like that is their primary focus right mm-hmm. uh, and and it all came together like i normally have of like there's always something that goes wrong right and (laughs) this product like i don't know if it was the beauty of like how everything just sort of like naturally came together or how close everything was the proximity of Mm -hmm. it there's all sorts of like challenges right now with freight delays and Mm -hmm. shipping stuff importing stuff right now after like post-pandemic world is a nightmare and there's these really long lead times for everything but because this was a Midwest product, there was these like unforeseen advantages to mm. doing it. Yeah. Um, we were able to get things quick and it was executed perfectly. And um, yeah, it went really well. It tastes really phenomenal. We were, had- we were bringing, we were bringing in like these fresh ingredients and, you know, the maple syrup that had just been tapped. Mm-hmm. And the next week it was literally on the shelf at Costco like that quick you know what I mean wow. really cool at all. some of it's just the timing like Brady said yeah but just I know if you probably can't see the podcast but this is the wild berry maple mix that's mm-hmm. and that's why it's you know it's meant to be there aren't many the fruits for example that we want to use that you like to see in a cereal like this the selection is going to be hardy berries up in the midwest mm-hmm. so that's mm-hmm. kind of just identifying what's available locally mm-hmm. Um, is where the recipe development starts mm, too. That's um, awesome. Um, so high antioxidant, right? It's the berries that have to survive the winters up here, and, and that's how it starts. Yeah, and I think what's interesting that I learned even like about Montmorency cherries, for instance, like they're not really like shelf stable. Like they literally they are shaken and they're taken directly to the processor. Like you cannot buy them even here in Northern Michigan, where they just are abundant on trees, unless you're actually going out to the orchard and picking them yourself, like you can't buy Mm -hmm. them at the farmer's market. They're too tender of a, of a fruit to actually sit on anywhere fresh. And so we all know them here as like either a dried fruit, a juice, like some sort of product. And so it's already like a very comfortable thing that like, you don't, if you're going to get cherries here, you get, um, 
tart cherries, uh, the, uh, the black cherries, things like that. Like those are the things you see in the farmer's market in that time of year and the Bing cherries too. Those are popular, but yeah, it, it's definitely an interesting, th- I, I didn't know that until I walked through mm-hmm. an orchard and saw you it for myself. Yeah. yeah. But I think we too also don't like qualify, like some, a product like that makes such a direct effect. So condensed too. like with the, each one of those products you're purchasing, it's like affecting a family and a community that circles around that family that has that farm. And I think living in the Midwest, particularly, you know, growing up in places like you and Illinois, Brady, and like, I'm from Michigan and like every single person has a farm or is directly affected by a farm. And we don't realize like in a broader, like when you move into a large city or something like that and you're distanced from farms, you kind of, or even a suburban area, you kind of forget how much of an impact these farms make on a family and on a community. And I grew up in Southern Michigan where it was a lot of like, for a part of my life. And like, there were so many people that their whole livelihood was based on the corn that they harvested. And then every kid that went to high school, like the ideal job was to like, you know, pick all the tops off the corn and, you know, you made so much money. I did not do that. I worked on a golf course, but it's totally different. (laughs) Um, But it, I just, I learned so much like being from the Midwest about the impact our choices make on a community. And so when I looked at that, like when you guys sent this product along, I was just like, oh my gosh, like this is in Costco. And it's like, these are actual farms that are directly affected by this large purchase that you guys can make that then other people can enjoy. It's, it's amazing. Like those chains. Relationship really has allowed us to, you know, be able to scale with specific suppliers to where it does make a difference. And some people question like, oh, Costco, is that like a fit with your brand and identity? And it's just funny because I get where the question is stemming from, but at the same time, they've allowed us, they're phenomenal to work Mm -hmm. with, completely supportive of a completely locally made cereal. They're just, it's a good, it's a big company, but they're, they just do things differently and they do things the right way. And it's allowed us to go to farmers and be able to source Mm -hmm. very specifically, you know, regenerative ingredients and things like that. So, um, yeah. yeah. Well, lastly, I I just want to touch on, because a lot of people ask me this question and about like, when I talk about products or something like that, because I'm very specific about certain things and you guys are B Corp certified. And I want you guys to just kind of explain that for a minute and what that means and the value it brings and why it's so important. Um, we we have a couple of friends that also own companies that are B Corp certified and it is such an amazing, amazing certification. So just kind of break it down for people. Yeah, um, I, I think the highest level summary is you know, we, by being a B Corp, are verified against the highest standard for environmental and social impact. So mm-hmm. um, that's sort of the, the high level piece of it. When you get into the nitty gritty um, framework um, of B Corp, um, I think what it actually is, is, um, is just a, a path. Um, you're previous to B Corp, it's sort of just Hannah and I's purpose, you know, mm-hmm. behind what we're doing and some of the values that we have as founders of the company, right? Um, what what B Corp has allowed us to do is like put all that down on paper and actually legally bind it into our company's um, documents. So our LLC agreement Mm-hmm. Um, is ha- was changed as a result that mm. you will do things as a business for um, for you know improving social and environmental issues um, and not just focused on profit. So it's like ingrained in our business. So taking Hannah and Brady's values, putting them onto paper, and like 
making it um, a a forever forward-looking um, path. Um, and it was really, really, really helpful for us to go through as a company. It was hard as a you know for a small team to like set aside you know three to six months of um, you know assessment essentially kind mm-hmm. of looking and then having an external third party kind of looking um, inward at what you're doing. Um, so it was, a, it was challenging, but we came out of it feeling so happy that we went through it. Um, mm. as again, it wasn't like we just, there was some sort of directional change in our business. Like it wasn't like we made some big, big decision to start being mission focused or purpose driven. Like mm-hmm. we always had that in us. We just hadn't ever, you know, put it into a framework that somebody else on our team or, um, you know, uh, we work with suppliers, yeah, you know, retail partners, retailers. Um, mm-hmm. anybody who just sort of wants to understand what we stand for should be able to, um, I think, feel more comfortable that like we are verified as a B Corp, uh, but also like dig into, you know, how we got there and, um, and what we were sort of, yeah, you can go on to B Corp's website, find our company and like dig into like what score we got on Mm. Uh, how we treat our employees and, um, you know, how we work with suppliers and, and things of that nature. So, um, it was, it was really awesome to go through, like, and, you know, when you, when you kind of, and, and then your the other cool thing is like, you're, you're scored every three years. You have to sort of retake, retake mm. the test. Um, <laughs> yes. That's like where you're at. So it's not like a one and done type of thing. It's like, and they're improving the standard over those three years. Like you have to increase your score. You have to show growth mm. in the right direction. So now, like, as we come out make with new, new products and make business decisions, we're always thinking like, how do we improve? How do we improve our score? <laughs> so, um, so it's, it's cool. I, I have a new appreciation for B Corps having been through the process. And um, I think it's a good, a good thing that, um, people should feel, you know, good about supporting and, um, and, you know, all those dollars that you're spending. I mean, that to me, like that has been a big, um, you know, awakening for, for me in the last couple of years is, um, with all the issues that we're facing as a society, as a culture, Mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, I've changed the way that, we buy personally, like in our family, based mm-hmm. on um, not just B Corp, but just sort of getting to know like where your dollars are going, mm-hmm. right? Like, especially in food, but like in all areas that we're purchasing, like we can have a big, we can have a direct impact on the direction that we take things um, mm-hmm. by spending wisely and getting to know um, where our products are coming from. Um, and so that tra- that level of transparency, I think, is is really important for companies to share that onto the consumers so that they can buy um, wisely with their with their dollars. Yeah, that's a that's a like the main reason why I started when I discovered it. It was actually I discovered it when we were building our house, and I was looking for a tile company, and it came upon Fireclay, and they were B Corp, and. Then I was like, okay, well, like, what does this mean? And they were like touting it as like a big thing. And then when I dug in and I started realizing all these different companies that were utilizing this and why they were utilizing it. And, um, you know, I think it's amazing whenever you're running a business to be held accountable to your mission and what you're wanting and always looking to, cause I think it's easy to kind of slip into other areas, like where you can kind of like slide a little bit sometimes if like the money makes sense or whatever. But when you have that, you know, something holding you outside of yourself, it's really important to have, and it helps you keep on, on track. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, anyone who's ever started something before, you know, immediately I just feel for, you know, it's so hard and it's so emotional. And, you know, you, for us, like, you know, defining what success looks like has mm-hmm. shifted over the years, mm-hmm. to, right? And 
there isn't just like that moment in time where you're like, oh, this is a success. It never feels that way, right? Yeah. You have these feelings and you guys go through that mm-hmm. emotional roller coaster of doing oh, your yeah. own thing. So it's really like, you know, circling ourselves around this just cause that we have to mm-hmm. change the system. Mm-hmm. And just knowing that, you know, living in that space is where we need to be. And it's not about, you know, how fast can you grow and how much money or, you know, none mm-hmm. of that is, it's really important, you know, for giving up our jobs and, you know, certain elements of lifestyle to, yeah. to it has to be around our just cause. And yep. that is where success is. It's not in, you know, marketing the next food trend or I don't know, whatever it might be. So yeah, no, that is just one of the things we've learned over the and has become more and more clear now, like Brady said, we're nearing our 10 years having this company. And it's like, it's just been interesting to see us kind of come all the way through and say like, oh, this is clear now what success mm-hmm. is like. It's, it's circling around this just cause. And that's, you know, kind of a nice thing to just say like, all right, some of the pressure's off. Like we are just, if we just focus on this and making the impact, and in our case, changing the food system, packaged food in particular, um, it just, it, it makes it easier to drives your decisions, right? It makes it yeah, easier. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I mean, I recently went through that with our own business and I feel like now I'm looking at it and there's lots of ways that in the past I found six or I thought it was success. And now I see a completely different landscape and you also feel like there isn't I'm a very, like, I can be a very competitive person. I was an athlete, like all sorts of things, but I realized that I don't have competition. Like I am my competition, you know, like I, that all circles around me and it's a kind of a reassuring, relaxing thing. (laughs) Makes you enjoy your work a little more. Adding value to the world. If you feel like you're Mm -hmm. just of a bunch what is it that you're doing differently? Am I just taking dollars from another cereal or am I like, inspiring a different way of doing something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that is, you're right. Like if you are truly paving your own path, mm-hmm. then it's not the outside that you're focused on, it's being more and more true to your mission and your passion. Absolutely. That's exactly it. And I'm just going to, we're going to close with one more question and then we can all get on our busy, busy weeks here. <laughs> uh, so just lastly, Taking away from the business and building Seven Sundays the last decade, what would you say has become incredibly clear about what your work, like building a company that is changing the landscape of packaged food? Like what has become incredibly clear and has shifted you guys and what you see and how you see the future, I guess, of what you're building? It's probably a big question to close yeah. with, but... <laughs> Or yeah, I, I think, we don't you know, know. For, <laughs> nothing's for, clear yet. I, I get me, it. <laughs> for me from like a, uh, like kind of going back to, um, the sustainability lens that I see the lands, the food landscape through, mm-hmm. um, I, 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 it's become clear to me that like humans <laughs> cannot change the way that nature has intended food to be. Um, mm, mm. Um, I like that. We have to allow these natural systems to play out. Um, and I think that's best done in an organic system and a regenerative um, system. And we've seen now that it's possible um, using if we, you know, if we provide markets for the right ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, again, like taking what we have in our, our muesli products and now this, this new sunflower cereal that we're um, working on, we, um, you know, we're trying to sort of pre predetermine like, you know, which ingredients can really, add value to these farmers in their crop rotations, like mm-hmm. cover cropping and, um, require minimal tillage or minimal water use or, um, mm-hmm. and then I think the next step for us is really kind of 
um, digging in and validating some of this, um, Mm -hmm. you know, but when we see the farmers in the field, um, you know, digging in dirt that used to be rock hard compact, um, you know, bare, bare soil covered with buckwheat fields that are flowering and there's bees flying all around. Oh, it's so beautiful. Underneath, we have a lot of bee sting stories in our company. It's <laughs> a good problem. Of honor, right? Brady <laughs> drinking a bee once and Molly getting stung on a farm tour. We're like, oh, <laughs> pollinators. Yeah. Yes. I, I think that, I think that that same like feeling or um, that um, this is the way it should be. Like when you're, when you're gardening, um, for instance, mm-hmm. can exist in the packaged food world. It yes. can't. We've seen it. Um, you guys are doing it. We're doing it. We, yeah. um, we, and, and then at the same time, I kind of go back to what um, Hannah was just talking about. Um, for some reason, it, we've created a food system where that is the harder path, even though it mm. should. Yeah, it shouldn't be more difficult to grow and source ingredients that way, but it still is um, very challenging. It's a challenge that we're up for. And it's like, this is the reason um, we started this business. Um, So it's one that we will, it it keeps us coming to work every day, um, Mm -hmm. excited to go to work, um, but it's not the fastest way or the easiest way um, or the most efficient way, but that's okay. Yeah. It's redefining success. And for us, the harder way is the best way. We've just sort of learned that about ourselves. Mm. I I connect with that. And I love that you guys are utilizing something like buckwheat too, because I think it, I use it in the garden a ton. So um, yeah, like I just planted it amongst my garlic so that when I pull the like I planted it like two weeks ago and it's starting to come up. And so when I pull the garlic, you know, the buckwheat will be able to regenerate that soil. And then I can either, you know, let it go to seed and then harvest it, which I don't have enough to really make much out of anything. With it. <laughs> and, and I had a patch last year that was just a terrible patch of soil and I used it and just let it fall. And then the chickens, you know, destroyed it. And then now it's growing my beans this year. And it, you know, I think we just, we think about these things. And I think when growing up around cornfields, like it was just like, you grow corn and then it's gone, you know, in that soil, like it's so, it's so hard on the farmer to rely on one crop. But when you can like, you know, grow one thing and another thing and another thing, and you can utilize the soil while regenerating it and then having cattle that goes through or chickens or whatever it may be. And that regenerative model offers so much to the farmer. And we kind of, it, it it's something new, I feel like in America, but it doesn't need to be. And like you were saying, like that third generation farm that you knew, they were, farming that way probably when they initially came right and now we're having to reverse and go back and it makes me so happy to see like i like get geeky about it hopefully that reverse happens and we're seeing farmers come in taking over more conventional farms and reversing that it does feel like there's a long way to go still yeah Um, but but is the consumer i think it's 99 percent is still of agriculture yeah. in the U.S. is still, you know, conventionally farmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has to be rewarded for sure. You know that to make that change, and without a doubt, and buying products like yours does that because you're focused on purchasing from farms that are thinking in those models, and that is yeah. What I mean, track the acres. It's like how many acres. You know, that's how we think as mm-hmm. far as what we can. Um, and we think about that in recipe development too, right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, you love buckwheat. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the other farmers, they're like, oh my God, it's amazing. It shoots right up. You can get mm-hmm. like stations in. You can like walk over it. Oh, it doesn't care. All the time about like, 
how can we up our demand for buckwheat? Like, let's look across the product lines. And so it's. <laughs> I love it. I was going to tell you guys one thing before we close. Yeah. Speaking of your sunflower cereal, did you know that this has been designated by the Garden Association, I think it is, or some, I have to look it up. But the almanac was talking about, the farmer's almanac was talking about how this is the year of the sunflower. No way. Yes. And did you know that the sunflower is one of the only native um, plants that was grown in a garden in America? Like it has spread to France and places like that. Like you think about those Tuscan sunflowers, those are American, like that's from America. Like it's, it's a pretty incredible plant. So I could go on and on about sunflowers. (laughs) Our latest and greatest, newest obsession, you know, it was buckwheat for a while. Now it's turning into sunflower for sure. (laughs) Well, buckwheat is where it started. Like that's where it clicked. And, Mm -hmm. and, but there's many, many plants and seed, seed plants like sunflower and flax um, are very similar. Mm -hmm. So, um, we're really excited to dig in. There's perennial sunflowers that are being researched, mm. which is really exciting. Um, we're upcycle. We actually use an um, upcycled product that is comes off of the um, like sun sunflower oil. Mm. Mm-hmm. A big higher demand higher than- demand commodity than like sunflower seeds. Um, mm-hmm. We found a supplier here in Minnesota that was. Um, upcycling it um, and sort of re-harvesting the the, the protein um, from sunflower mm. uh, that into more of a, a food product, um, mm. like a, another food product. They're all this dry, solid They're material cold pressing out the oil, right? So then you uh-huh. have the meal, which is high protein mm. and high fiber. So yeah, not only are we turn that into a cereal using a regenerative <laughs> sunflower, we're upcycling it. Um, and using it for multiple purposes, oil and protein, which we use for our new cereal. So it's really exciting. Um, I'm pumped. Right, we got to dig into this. I know. I'll send you, I'll email you the things I was. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'll email you what I was reading yesterday when I was looking at something. So I was looking up something else and it popped up and I was like, oh, this is so cool. And then you mentioned the sunflower cereal and I was like, what? Yeah. So you're the sunflower. <laughs> um, sunflower cereal too. I feel like we, if we haven't already, we will definitely. Send. Yes. Well, thank you so much for doing this, and I'm really, really excited to share this with everybody. So, um, thanks so much, Hannah and Brady. That was great to chat and to learn so much. I am also very excited about trying some of your new products and testing them out. If you are interested in checking out more of what Seven Sundays is doing and how you can get some of their products and support their vision and what they're doing, you can head to the show notes and there I have their website and everything, including a list of a few of my favorite products, including one of their mueslis that we mentioned that is completely sourced within the Midwest. including locally here in Traverse City. So it is definitely something you want to try out if you are local. On Sunday, our summer community launches and is open for one week for you to sign up. So if you've been thinking about it and you want to come into the community and join us as we navigate and journey together into some self-discovery of ourselves right alongside growing our gardens. We would love to have you. So the 20th on Sunday, our community opens until the following Sunday for exactly one week. I will be doing next week's podcast all about some of the updates we've been doing, including some wonderful comments from some of our community members. I am very excited to share what we've been doing and how you can join in. So until then, I will see you out there, friends. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.